Welcome to the podcast of Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. Today's message was originally preached January 15, 2012 by Sonny Yoder and is entitled The Great Admonition, The Call to Persevere. today. Uh, Naaman has a bit of a handout that he's passing out related to the sermon. And uh, I encourage you children, I think you have enough for children to take take one as well. And what I did with it at the chapel, and I'd like to do it here too, is um, if your parents let you, <laughs> uh, children take a pencil and uh, make some notes about what I'm talking about or draw a picture and then you could hand it in to me later, and I'll see how well your teacher's doing. <laughs> well, we all like salad, don't we? Uh, I have a lettuce sermon this morning. <laughs> not, uh, not, it's not really about salad or uh, lettuce out of the garden, but if I was, the text this morning is Hebrews 10... The last half of the chapter from, from verse 19, I'll be reading from the King James Bible, but if I'd read it in the, the NIV, we would have five statements that start with let us. There's several here in the King James. Let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us consider one another, let us not give up meeting together, and let us encourage one another. I'm entitled this message, uh, the, the Great Admonition, A Call to Persevere. Uh, one one co- uh, commentary writer gave this section of, of scripture the title, The Great Admonition. And so that's why I cho- uh, choose it, chose as a title for the sermon. The Great Admonition, A Call to Persevere and Not to apostatize. This sermon is about uh, drawing near to God, about following hard after Jesus, and not shrinking back into apostasy, following Jesus right to the end of life. Now, what is apostasy? Apostasy means abandoning, um, abandoning one's faith, apostasy, Apostasy is having an experience or profession of following Jesus Christ and then turning away and no longer following him. There's quite a prevalent teaching these days, at least here in the South, and uh, that a Christian cannot lose his, once saved, cannot lose his salvation. The slogan we hear is, once saved, always saved. And um, this teaching works itself out in many different ways. On one side of the spectrum, there are those that teach that uh, if a Christian falls into a lifestyle of sin indefinitely, just keeps on living a life of sin, it only shows that he was only a professor of faith in Christ and wasn't really saved at all. And then kind of on the other end of the spectrum, we hear those that say 
There's nothing you could do to lose your salvation. There's no sin you could ever commit that would cause you to lose your salvation. Uh, you'll lose your testimony. You'll lose your fellow, your fellow, the enjoyment of fellowship with God and, other, and fellow Christians. You'll lose your rewards in heaven, but you cannot lose your salvation. Uh, most extreme thing I ever heard was uh, talking to a man. Think of, think of how I would name him. Some of you wouldn't, would remember him. But he was a man that had a, at one time had a good testimony and a promising family. But he told me, I can have a beer in one hand and a harlot in, in the other arm and still be on my way to heaven. Now this uh, sermon today is not necessarily to debate the, the once saved, always saved teaching. I'm only going to just... Uh, I'm only going to try to explain what this section of Scripture means. But in the book of Hebrews, there's at least five, I would say, five stern warnings about falling away from following Christ. One, one of them is here in this chapter 10. And I believe it's real clear that if a person turns away if a person is not following Christ or turns away from following Christ, he's in a very dangerous place in his life. Apostasy, abandoning one's faith, turning away from faith in Jesus Christ. I'll read from verse 19 of Hebrews 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot hath trodden under foot the Son of God? And hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, 
partly whilst you were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion on me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you had have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back in perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. May God help us to understand his word this morning. Dear folks, we have a great opportunity to be close to God, to come into his very presence, close friendship, close fellowship, and we must take advantage of this opportunity. Jesus, this scripture tells us that Jesus has made the way for us to come into God's presence and be friends of God. Verse 19 We have confidence to enter uh, the most holy place, which means we we have confidence to enter into the very presence of holy God by the blood of Jesus. Jesus has gone there before us, applying to the blood to the heavenly tabernacle for the full atonement and forgiveness of our sins. And so we can enter with confidence into God's very presence, uh, sins completely forgiven, cleansed and made holy. The next verse says, our conscience uh, cleansed, no longer a guilty conscience. And so we can, with confidence, go right to God into his very presence. Verse 20 Jesus, once crucified, now resurrected, the living Christ has made the, the new and living way for us so that we can draw close to God. In the Old Testament tabernacle, there was a, that, there was a heavy animal skin that, that uh, barred the doorway into the holiest place in the the high priest could only go in, would only go in once a year to sprinkle blood on the tabernacle for the, for the atonement for sin. But that, that when, at Jesus, when Jesus shouted, it is finished on the cross and his work was done, the work of redemption was done, that, that animal skin was torn. And so now, uh, instead of a, a barrier of animal skin, There's a a wide open doorway. Jesus has opened the door, and this verse verse 20 says that that his body, Jesus' uh, sacrificed body is actually, has opened the door into the, uh, the, so we can go into holy God, into his presence. His sacrificed body has now made the door open for us to be close to God. Don't shriek back, don't hold back. Come, come confidently 
because of Jesus' precious blood for the forgiveness of sins and because of his sacrifice body that has opened the door to God. Come confidently to our Heavenly Father because Jesus is there. He's, uh, verse 21 says that he's, we have a high priest, Jesus Christ, is over, who is over the household of God. Our great high priest is there. Redemption's work is done. He is seated with his Father. He was made like unto his brethren so that he could be the merciful high priest. He sympathizes with us uh, because he has been tempted just like we are tempted. Let us approach the throne with confidence, receiving mercy and grace uh, for our time of need, for Jesus is there before us. We can go right in. Go right in to God through Jesus Christ. What an opportunity we have to come to our Heavenly Father. So let's Let's go to him and go repenting of our sin and go believing, confident in what Christ has done for us. That's the great opportunity. Now the great admonition in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart or a sincere heart, a heart that's real, a heart that's genuine. The heart, a heart that has an undivided allegiance to Jesus Christ. Let us draw near with a full assurance of faith. Not a faith in ourselves. We're never, we've never, never done well enough. But our confidence is in Jesus Christ and the work he has done for us. He has washed our hearts and our consciences free from all guilt. Guilt. There's no need to hesitate to draw near to God because our conscience has been sprinkled and washed clean of guilt. This verse also says, draw near because our bodies have been washed with pure water. Now this may be referring to Christian baptism, but surely it refers to what baptism means, and that is the the washing of the water of the word of God, making our heart and our life pure so that we can go into God's God and his holy presence. Let's draw near. Let's not shrink back from God. Now, another admonition we have here is in verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. I think the New King James Bible and the NIV Bible say, let us hold fast the profession of our hope without wavering because he is faithful that is promised. Let us hold fast to the profession of our hope without wavering, not swerving to the side. Sometimes in this world of shifting sand, we're we're tempted to discouragement and despair. But in Jesus, there is hope. How can we have this hope? How can we have assurance? Not because of ourselves. Our hope and confidence and assurance do not depend on our own selves. No, our assurance depends on what Jesus has promised and that Jesus always keeps his promises. 
Let us hold fast to the hope we have expressed because Jesus does what he promises. Jesus forgives. Jesus cleanses. Jesus saves. Jesus gives us a new heart. He gives us his sweet Holy Spirit. Jesus teaches us. He enables us. He provides for us. He protects us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He, He never leaves us alone. He empowers us. He comforts us. He moves mountains for us. What, what else has Jesus promised to us? And uh, Jesus always keeps his promises. So let's hold fast uh, to our hope in Jesus Christ. Let's hold fast to his promises. Let's not shrink back from going into God. Let's draw near. Let's hold fast to our hope because Jesus keeps his promises. We must not turn back. We must not apostatize. Now this scripture gives us some direction of some things that will aid us in staying close to God. Verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke or stir each other up or incite, spur one another on to love and good works. Let us consider one another. Uh, Living for Jesus is not just an individualistic effort. We don't do it by ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. We have a great high priest to help us, and we also need each other. I need you to help me, and you, you need my help. But if we're really going to help each other, we'll need to think about each other, consider one another. Consider how we could help each other stay close to God and follow hard after Jesus. We must think about each other. The Bible says here, let us consider one another. Be thoughtful about each other. That means having kindly thoughts about each other's strengths and weaknesses. And our opportunities and responsibilities, our needs and dangers, our trials and temptations. And then help each other as much as we can. Surely this considering one another includes prayer for each other. We don't, um, I wonder if you still have, do we still have our list from revival meetings where we confessed our faults to one another and asked for prayer from each other so that we would be